You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you like Carmelite Spirituality Conversations with Francis Harry. Hello, welcome to Carmelite Conversations here on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home, and we're so glad to be in your home. I'm Francis Harry, your host for this program. Mark, my co-host, isn't here. But I am thrilled to have a special guest with me in the studio so that we can have a real Carmelite conversation. Uh, We're going to talk about how to introduce contemplative prayer to children. I think that's very important for us to to have a uh, discussion about. As always, though, I'd like to start with our opening prayer. And since today is the feast day, Of the Queenship of Mary, I would like to do a prayer in honor of her queenship. And I'd like to dedicate this prayer to all those who are suffering from the floods or fires or Zika virus or violence and terrorism. There are many problems throughout the world. So let us hold all of these in our hearts along with all of those in our own families and friends. And let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Mary, Immaculate Queen, look down upon this distressed and suffering world. Thou knowest our misery and our weakness. O Thou who art our mother, saving us in the hour of peril, have compassion on us in these days of great and heavy trial. (coughs) Jesus has confided to thee the treasure of his grace, and through thee he wills to grant us pardon and mercy. In these hours of anguish, therefore, thy children come to thee as their hope. We recognize thy queenship and ardently desire thy triumph. We need a mother and a mother's heart. Thou art for us the luminous dawn which dissipates our darkness and points out the way to life. In thy clemency, obtain for us the courage and the confidence of which we have such need. Most holy and adorable Trinity, Thou who didst crown with glory in heaven the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Savior, grant that all her children on earth may acknowledge her as their sovereign queen, that all hearts, homes, and nations may recognize her rights as mother and as queen. Mary, Immaculate Queen, triumph and reign. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we know prayer is so very important. If one learns to pray well, their connection with God will be strengthened their whole life through, resulting, of course, eternal benefits. So prayer isn't a task to be checked off of some list, but it's an opportunity for a divine relationship with God. It is prayer that connects us to God and helps us to be open to his divine love and thus Live a purpose-filled life. In this discussion, we're going to be talking about how to introduce contemplative prayer to children. If we plant the seeds of intimate, attentive, loving prayer, a natural contemplative prayer, by the grace of God, the spiritual growth of our children may soar beyond our wildest dreams. There was a Franciscan priest, Father Slavko, who said, The more we contemplate God and Our Lady, the more we become like them. And the more we become like them, the easier it becomes to open our hearts to them. 
Well, I have a special guest who's going to share with us from her wonderful experiences of teaching children how to pray contemplatively. Her name is Colleen Solinger. She's been a guest here on Carmelite Conversations many times, and I'm so glad to have her back. She is a secular discussed Carmelite in the Dayton, Ohio community. She's a mother of six children, and she's a homeschooling mom. So, you know, with all that homeschooling organizational skills, <laughs> she has uh, uh, organized these thoughts for us today that will help us to have a plan of action to help teach our kids about contemplative prayer. Four of her children are currently homeschooled, and two are homeschool graduates, as they are in college now. Um, Colleen's hobbies include spending time with family, reading, being in the out of doors. She was out there today. It was a beautiful day in Dayton. I hope it was for you, too. And she's also a runner. And I just betcha she was praying while she was running. And I know she enjoys talking about Carmelite spirituality. So, Colleen, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're back. I'm very glad you invited me. <laughs> uh, I hope this is one of many more that we're going to have. Because um, uh, we always seem to have such a good conversation. And, and I know with all of your experience, we're going to learn a lot from you today. Um, in our conversations beforehand, you had mentioned um, having a Carmelite Conversations back to school edition. I love that. I was like, yeah, I think this is good. And then we talked about how to teach children to pray. And with all of your experience, uh, I know that you've gotten to practice uh, all of these methods, not just think about them in theory. So, and in addition, your own formation in the order of the Discast Carmelites and the seculars has aided you in how to teach your children to pray more contemplatively. So would you share a little bit about that with us? Right. The um, the gift of this vocation to Carmel has been such a blessing to my motherhood, you know, just in terms of because as, as I move along in the spiritual journey, it can't help but enrich all my person, most personal relationships. Um I, I know we've discussed before because we've done this whilst raising children. You know, how many people will say, oh, I, you know, just can't make the time to do it now or maybe when my kids are grown. But I'd highly encourage anybody who's wondering if they have a vocation to at least give it a try because it it, it can it, it can go hand in hand, motherhood and a, a either, you know, whatever your your secular life, either as a Carmelite or, you know, I know I've seen you out there on social media. Those of you who are not only Carmelites, I've seen Dominicans, I've seen um, Franciscan mothers who are doing it both. Right. And, uh, you know, I was in Carmel for several years before I had children. And I was so grateful to have that formation in Carmel while I was raising my children, because I knew that as I was growing, I was reflecting that growth to them. I was probably a much more patient mother than I would have been had I not had that formation. <laughs> and I certainly was more, more prayerful. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring in a quote from St. John Paul II about spiritual growth and family. This comes from his apostolic exhortation on the role of the Christian family in the modern world, because I think his quote sets the stage for our, our conversation and the importance of prayer. He says, what is needed is a continuous permanent conversion, which while requiring an interior detachment from every evil and an adherence to good in its fullness is brought about concretely in steps, which lead us ever forward. 
Thus, a dynamic process develops, one which advances gradually with the progressive integration of the gifts of God and the demands of His definitive and absolute love in the entire personal and social life of man. Therefore, an educational growth process is necessary in order that individual believers, families, and peoples, even civilization itself, by beginning from what they have already received of the mystery of Christ, may patiently be led forward, arriving at a richer understanding and a fuller integration of this mystery in their lives. So, um, we want to get into this adventure of prayer with children. Where should we begin, Colleen? <laughs> the first thing would be, just begin, period. <laughs> just start. Right. Um, there's no perfect time to pray. If you, if you wait for that perfect time it's just not going to happen. And that means your own personal prayer life. You know, even if you don't have a vocation to Carmel or any of the other secular orders, God is still calling you. Make your time for personal prayer. But then introducing your children as well. You, you can't wait for the perfect time. You have to make it. <laughs> right. That's so important. Um, and, and that way you model it. Right. So, all right. So how do we set the stage then for this? You know, this is what many Catholic families are already doing. You know, you, your prayer before meals, you're praying before bed. Um, but I'd like to talk about other things that you can do to introduce your children to different ways of prayer. Um, I remember spiritual director telling me once, your child's interested in prayer. Let them do evening prayer with you. You know, things like that. You can You can ah. teach them how to do it. Oh, that's beautiful. And I I know that um, I try to get my children involved in the daily events of their life by, like, when we pass a cemetery, pray for the right. souls in purgatory or um, for all the souls who have died. Um, when you hear an ambulance siren, uh, pray for whoever's uh, yep, in trouble. I like that one, too. Yeah, yes. yeah. Or fire trucks. Um, uh, pray um, over your children. I like to bless my children. Um, uh, well, I did. I mean, my oldest one uh, is in college now, so I don't get to, to pray over her before every day before school. And my other son, um, I, my son, he is a senior, so I still bless him each morning before he goes off to school. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, to encourage our children to have a, I always tell them, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God. Right. And you know, talk to him. Mm -hmm. um, and how important it is even before we get out of bed mm -hmm. to, to offer your day to the Lord, to make that consecration to Jesus and Mary. Right. Um, and don't be afraid to start from a very young age. First of all, sometimes the younger the children, the more eager they are to have a big, long, hearty conversation with God. Yes. Um, but since we're talking to about something more contemplative, it's it's OK to go ahead and start trying to inject a bit of quiet into your children's lives. Um, this is like the setting the stage right. here. Again, we're setting the stage. Um, I know there's something I, if I could remember where I read this, I would share it. This wasn't in the, um, context of prayer. This was just teaching children how to calm down because there's so many different places where they need to be quiet. Yeah. Um, it was called the quiet game. And what it was is you can even take just, you know, three, four year old children, sit them down and just, you know, let's all just be quiet see what you hear. And then, you know, of course, even if you're in your own home, suddenly you're going to hear the refrigerator running or somebody outside mowing the lawn or whatever it is. But what you're doing is you're practicing quiet. So that way, then when you move to church or on to church, or even if you are um, trying to say a prayer before bed, it's that same thing. They'll know what it means to just, okay, let's sit here and be quiet because you've played it first as a game. So 
then you can transfer it on over to these other activities in life. I wish I knew that when my kids were little. I think the quiet game that they got was sitting in the corner in the chair. <laughs> of course, they did have to learn to be quiet there. I like the way you're doing it much better with, with the quiet game. That's much better. And, you know, um, as parents, we need to model prayer by praying ourselves. Let them see you praying. Right. Um, and and I think it's very important for parents to point out when the children's prayers are answered. Right. I remember one particular thing about with my daughter. She wanted to ride these rides at the church festival, but it was raining. And I'm like, okay, we're going to take her. But and and but she's really wanting to. And I'm like, but look, it's raining. You know, if God wants you to to ride on those rides, it would be sunshine. And so we parked the car, and guess what? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the sun's shining. <laughs> I'm like, really? It's four. Cast your rain like 70%. How could there be sun right here? But um, I thought, oh, Lord, you really answered her prayer. So, you know, pointing out when their prayers are answered and then, you know, sharing with them what we're learning through prayer. Um, maybe when we're taking a scripture to prayer and how we're applying that scripture to the prayer and, and how to just sink into a word or, or an image, you know, to, to get more of that contemplative sense. Yes, yes. Um, uh, there are different, there, there are lots of different opportunities. You can do that as a family, but sometimes there are things even outside of them. Like, um, there are some parishes who offer, uh, exposition for children. Oh, that's a great opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to share my example, uh, cause I had a lot of experience with this and I know you've got a lot to share with on this too, but when my children were young, um, our church had a children's um, adoration. Uh, actually, it, w- it was exposition, adoration. Um, and I, I was amazed that it was an hour long. And so I was like, oh, I don't know how my children are going to sit <laughs> still for this, you know, because one of them was much more energetic than the other. And I thought, how could this happen? Um, and they basically did something different every two minutes, sometimes even every one minute. And what they would do is they would, sometimes they would ha- offer praise. Sometimes they would do a little prayer. They had these books that they would pray out of. Um, they would sing the songs from the, and they're very simple, easy to learn songs. They would do prostrations. And I'm like, wow, they got the kids to, to get down and curl up like a little bitty so ball. To see. <laughs> yes. So it wasn't just kneelings. So it was a, a, a prostration with hands down. And I, I, you know, I'm thinking of the, the, the movies I've seen where the, the, the character might be doing that, you know. Um, there were stories about Jesus or the saints or Bible heroes or virtues. Um, but there was something almost every two minutes. Uh, and they, during Lent, they would do the stations of the cross during that time, but that they would come back. But, you know, they changed body positions um, because at that age, um, sitting still w- would be hard. So, you know, they'd be stand, they would kneel, they'd do the prostration. Uh, then they might be get up and walk around. And so, I mean, all these were wonderful ideas that, that helped sustain that hour. And I was impressed. Kids as young as, you know, um, Four or five were doing this, mm-hmm. and um, I, I just thought that was a really uh, a powerful experience. And, of course, you've got these pure souls praying, yes. so it was so beautiful. Yes. Yeah, I like to do something slightly different with mine where I've done um, 
taking them in knowing ahead of time that, well, I'm not just taking the child to my holy hour. We're going to spend a short time. You know, if I'm dropping some a child off somewhere that I'm going to sneak in the church with them in the back for just five minutes with a young child and say, Uh we're just going to go visit Jesus and we're going to be really quiet because we don't want to disturb anybody else who's praying. And just even those five minutes, you know, the most ants in the pants little child can can do that. Or um, other times if we've been out traveling um we you know if we come upon a church in a town my husband and i would take turns you know so whoever is a child who can sit more you know for a lengthy period of time would would stay with both parents but you know then who you know somebody would agree ahead of time to take somebody who is starting to get a little antsy out to the back and so um you know just an age appropriate thing so they're 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 getting the quiet but if they can't sit still if they need to move well then you knew ahead of time it was only going to be a short period of time anyway right i like that i like that a lot because that way you you know you you do it according to their ability right rather right. than forcing a long heavy arduous thing because you know when it, when it can be so long it can set you up for for dislike yes. and discouragement yes yes, <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so so that's uh, really thinking about when something is age appropriate mm-hmm. and personality appropriate. Right. What are other opportunities um, for this contemplative prayer experience? I would say, um, could you know, even in attending mass, sometimes that's very difficult with young children. But if you know, could you try to plan your attendance to your child's best time of day? Sneak in, you know, really early morning mass. Maybe they're still kind of dopey from the night before yes (laughs) or um depending upon where you live there you know if you live in a place where there are different parishes that offer mass at different times could you wait and you know during a weekday this i guess would apply to homeschoolers but anybody during the summer months could you go to a noon mass because then you know maybe they will have already eaten or you can look forward to you know what you might do after the mass as a way to say okay well we're going to be quiet now and then this is what we're going to do afterwards um I'd say we're not above using incentives for good behavior. Oh, I don't think God is either. I think that's where consolations come in, right? That's right. Just a different kind. Okay. Yes. Well, so what kind of incentives do you use for good behavior? And give us some uh, right. examples of, of how you do that. Right. Um, there, you know, I first learned this when I just had three children and it was a mom of six whose kids all sat brilliantly during church. <laughs> how like, do they do what that? What do you do? And she right. said, well, we have a special Sunday meal and if anybody's naughty, nobody goes. We just miss out. And so, you know, then there's a little bit of peer pressure, oh. too, to keep things going. Uh-huh. And so we have used things like that. Well, you know what? You're not getting donut if you can't, you know, if you writhe on the floor during mass. That's a right. thing. <laughs> um, or, you know, like, well, if you take that weekday mass, it's, you know, around the lunchtime, we can go on a picnic afterwards. You know, you don't want to blow it for your siblings. Come on, let's let's we can be good, you know. And, and I think you're right. We get consolations of a different sort as adults. So this is the consolation for the children. I like that. And, you know, when we go forward step by step, um, that's that will help them increase their um, attention span. And hopefully, you know, while we're talking to them, you know, we're talking about the importance of of the love of Jesus and how he desires to see them. Right. and, And, you know, how good it is to show our desire for him. I think, you know, that helps set them up to a a deeper prayer life um, that will benefit them the rest of their life. All right. So now how do you make this prayer time um, 
more personal and more relative to right. them. Right. I because that's that's key. That's that's what um, saints' lives is one of my favorite ones. Introducing them to the lives of saints. Um, you can do this. You can uh, inspire them to find out more about the saint. Perhaps that you name them after. Hey, let's get to know about Saint Francis, whoever it is, um, or. If you just let, you know, share with them the lives of the saints, they might get to, to, to find a saint that they really connect with. And so they'll want to read more about that person and be inspired by their life or inspired to pray to them when they're having troubles that they knew that this saint had too. I remember my son really liking all the the saint stories where they were champions. Yes, <laughs> you know, they were yes. big fighters. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right. And, you know, I know there's probably a lot of books out there. I know you had mentioned to me that you had some book recommendations. Right, right. There, there are. There are many out there. I would say that one of my most favorite is the um, Loyola Kids Book of Saints by Amy Welburn. Um, Welburn presents the saints' lives in a very approachable, very down-to-earth way. Um, I don't think every book is good at doing this. Right. Um, the daughter for whom I bought this book has read this on her own so much that she's educated me things about various saints that I didn't know. Or, you know, like oh, it'll be a particular good. saint's day and I'm reading about the saint of the day and she'll tell me ahead of time where they were born and where they died and, you know, the major events of their life because she's just embraced this book so well. So now, yes, Amy Welburn, that's a really good one. And how did, how did reading those stories help them to go into prayer? Can you share a little right, bit about because, that? Because you know what, it's just, you know, you'll you hear me say this again, just, I, I feel the children are natural contemplative. So as they're reading, they're just, you know, whatever it is that's speaking, speaking to them about the saint's life is just going to get them thinking about it. And then, you know, when like any book that you read that you enjoy and you, you close the book and you go on and you're still thinking about it. Um, sometimes it's conscious, you know, where you could be, they might be praying to the saint. But I think that a lot of it is just, um, it, it just forms who they are as they're reading about it. So as they go on and, you know, they're just, as they're thinking their thoughts through the day, that's still there. Mm, yes, very good point. And I always like when you have examples in those stories about how these saints or biblical heroes, how did they pray? And I'm thinking of the example of King David, mm-hmm. who was victorious in battle and approaches God's throne with, with awe and humility. Yes. So, you know, and then being able to have that conversation, you know, if I'm reading the story mm-hmm. to um, my young son or daughter, you know, being able to say, and, and you know, how, what kind of prayer would you say if you were in that position um i I think to try to apply what you're reading to your own personal life um is is, this is a great opportunity to do that exactly exactly so all right well now um we've got just about another minute or two before we go to the break just tell me a little bit about how you uh weave the faith into the home life to help um, the prayer. Right. And helping this all again, the faith to become personal. Um, I think it's so important to find devotions that are meaningful to your family to celebrate the liturgical year. Um, this can be done in so many ways. And, you know, some are po- more popular. Some are um, just certain families do things because of uh, traditions. Um, Advent wreaths, all saints or all souls trips to the cemetery. Um, feast days celebrated with artwork, crafts, food, various culture activities, that cultural activities that might tie in with that feast or with that saint. Um, 
I would say, for example, I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm. A lot of the crafts that we do in my house are, you know, they, they do that on their own. But I do like to cook. And so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll cook something that is um, special to the country where that saint came from. Um, for example, we'll do Indian food on the Feast of Epiphany in honor of the visitors from the East. Oh, that's or, clever. <laughs> yeah, I like to do a, a French meal on St. Therese's Feast. Day, oh, like I that. like that. Um, and, you know, the resources all over the place, if you find yourself stuck, um, we can... Uh, a yearbook I have Seasons and Celebrations by Joanna Bogle that's one that I return to quite often oh that's a you good you can find one. that online well I'm, I and we are going to list these resources on the archived program we'll have a list of these resources so we'll we'll post those for you alright we're going to take a break right now we'll come by, right back uh, I know Colleen has a lot more to share with us <laughs> so stay tuned in we'll be right back thank you <laughs> At the rising of the sun As the starry night gives way to dawn I will breathe it in and sing this song Thank you
You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now return to Carmelite Conversations with Francis Harry. Welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. I have a special guest with me, Colleen Solinger, um, and she is a discussed Carmelite secular, and she is talking with us about how to introduce contemplative prayer to children. So, Colleen, we were just talking about the kind of prayer activities that make um, set the stage for a more personal and relative prayer life. So you, you had some um, other resources to share with us. Right. Yeah. Because I just mentioned before that we had to quickly go to break. <laughs> the right. Yearbook of Seasons and Celebrations by Joanna Bogle. Um, the, the, the web or the World Wide Web, that's an excellent place. Um, two that I highly recommend that I'd like to go to for things for my own home. Um, Catholic All Year. Um, uh, let me mention, too, that you said you would put these websites on Line. So if anybody yes. doesn't understand what I'm saying, you can look it up online later. It'll be there. Um, but Catholic all year. Amongst other things, um, writer Kendra Tierney's site is full of activities to get children involved in the liturgical year. Um, here's an example of one that I found. She said, praying for the dead with children. It starts out sort of as a catechetical lesson for parents about praying for the souls in purgatory during the month of November. But then she continues with suggestions for, for activities and how to involve children in this, um, such as visiting a cemetery. And then, again, to, to give it something tangible for kids, she finishes with a recipe for soul cakes. And, <laughs> and putting all that together, I mean, if you could imagine going to the cemetery with them and, you know, talking about this kind of praying for the dead with the children while you're there at the cemetery and then having the soul cakes. Can you see how that sets the stage for a, a, a personal conversation with the Lord to more contemplative prayer style. I mean, that's just so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's perfect. It's all there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Another one that I like is um, In the Heart of My Home. That's ElizabethFoss.com. Uh, no, I can't recommend her site enough for just even great reading for just Catholic women in general. But if you click on one of her sidebars called Serendipity Learning Ideas, you'll find a treasure trove of lesson plans. She is a homeschooling mother, so um, a lot of things are on there are also history or reading activities. But, um, you know, the faith is woven into her lesson plans and into her subjects. So you don't have to be a homeschooler to want suggestions for help and, have, have, you know, weaving the faith into your daily family life. And so, and how do you think that this um, helps lay the stage for that contemplative prayer? Right. I, I just think it goes towards it because it just, it makes the faith real. It makes it personal. It, it, and so, you know, it, it's prayer is all about getting to know God. And, and these are, they're, the, there are so many different charisms or many different ways that that we reach God. And if we can just expose these our children to the various paths, it's it's just it's what makes it real for them to help develop that relationship. Well, and I can see it in the example you just gave, you know, if you read a story uh, about the souls in purgatory or visiting cemeteries and then you go actually do it and you actually do a prayer and then you have these soul cakes you know all of that is helping you practice the presence of god in a sense and then you know it will get more and more intense as as you develop and grow but you keep bringing in you know how god is involved in your life and in these life stages i just think that is so beautiful yeah and you know i just go ahead and do your own research online 
online for anything that might speak to you and your family. Pinterest, Instagram, people's blogs. There's so many creative people out there. It's not just the the big bloggers who have, you know, the the advertising behind them or who are writing a book. It's there are lots of moms out there who are sharing what they do with their families and lots of beautiful things where people are living out their faith like this. Well, I have to say the the internet has been a, a blessing in opening up resources for us that right. we can check out. So um, I'm just so glad all these homeschooling parents are are putting their expertise <laughs> out there and sharing us because there's a lot more out there today than there was when my kids were little. Absolutely. So this is wonderful. All right. Now, I know with your uh, background, Colleen, your mother is a psychologist. Right. Is, is that right? Okay. Um, that. You had once presented to our community about personality and temperament and how that uh, is uh, involved in the prayer life. And so, um, how do you um, how do you get this prayer to appeal to the child's own personality? Right. Well, finding out about you know what your child's personality is is um, the first step in doing it. Um, you know, again, we're we're trying to get to the point where it's natural for them. And in order to help this along, in order to foster quiet prayer time, you you want to learn how your child thinks best. And how do you do that? Well, I'll start, we can move on to children specifically, but I want to start with just a little veering off into what we discussed in our community about prayer and temperament. Okay. Um, we used a book called Prayer and Temperament, Different Forms, Different Prayer Forms for Different Personality Types by Chester P. Michael and Marie C. Norrissey. Um, it helps to, this book helps in focusing on one's character strengths and weaknesses and developing and practicing a virtuous prayerful life. Um, the book mentions the temperaments, too, of various saints to whom we can look to as examples for our own life. Yes, good. Um, obviously written for adults, but as a parent, you can use it in determining your child's temperament um, and then see what kind of prayer speaks most to that temperament. Um, is there time to give examples? You want me to go ahead and do that? Well, sure. Okay. All right. So from the book, for example, the, they mentioned the Franciscan temperament and the Augustinian temperament. So they would describe those of a Franciscan temperament to be the person whose prayer is enriched by movement. That would be drawing, playing an instrument, you know, making a rosary while you're praying it, things like that, hands-on movement things. Now, such a temperament would find keeping a spiritual journal difficult. Now, that might describe your child. And so you know, well, you know what, why don't we draw, you know, um, one of the mysteries of the rosary or something like that, because you know that it's that they're going to be able to enter into the action of that mystery, because they're drawing it. Um, The book also describes the Augustinian temperament. Now, this temperament would never be able to settle down and and get enter into the mystery of the rosary if they had to engage in the physicality that the Franciscan temperament enjoys. Uh So, you know, you put the Augustinian temperament in a quiet room with a journal and they'll settle quite well into their prayer. And, And again, too, you can know children who are like that. They don't want to talk about whatever it is that they've just read, but give them a journal, promise them that you'll leave them alone for a few minutes. And that is exactly how they will spend their prayer time. Yeah, this is what that diary of long ago is like. <laughs> you can just focus it a little bit more on the spiritual realm, and there you got your prayer journal, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I know. I When you introduced me to that book, I had to order it right away because I was like, I want to learn about this because uh, I found it very interesting to be thinking that 
certain personality types are attracted to certain types of prayer. And I'm like, well, what were they? Mm -hmm. But I noticed they didn't have a particular model for Carmelite in there. So, but you, you had pointed out something about that. They do mention um, the Theresian spirituality and they mention St. John of the Cross. And they, they're saying that the thing is that anybody, any temperament can end up praying contemplative prayer that Mm -hmm. this is just to help you you know find your different path um they say we do not get i'm going to read directly from this book so everybody will know just what they said (laughs) what they said (laughs) in this book we do not give a full explanation of teresian contemplation since it does not seem to depend upon temperament but stands in a class by itself and is open to all temperaments and personalities there you go. There's awesome. the Carmelite spin yes. on it. <laughs> Probably because we have three doctors of the church, you know, and that's universal teaching, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And yeah, you had another resource that uh, you wanted to bring up. Right. And this one would be familiar to people um, on this show because it's the um, it's by author Connie Rossini, who has been on here. Oh, yes, a few he times. has been a guest on our program. Um, a spiritual growth plan for your choleric child. Um, and that's the one where she does. It is geared specifically for parents about their children. Um, saints are mentioned either because of their temperament, for example, um, Here's a direct quote. St. James the Greater was a choleric who came to value taming his tongue. Because mm, choleric children are not very good at taming <laughs> right, their tongue, right? Exactly. Okay, so this is good. This is good. Right. Or even just she'll give um, inspirational quotes. So she'll refer to a saint. For example, St. Francis de Sales said, Hence, in speech be brief and virtuous, brief and gentle, brief and simple, brief <laughs> and charitable, brief and amiable. So, you know, you can read that to yourself to know, okay, this is how I have to <laughs> help guide my child. Or, you know, depending upon the child, you can read that to your child and let them ponder it. <laughs> right. right. Um, and as well, Rossini um, shares lesson plans. For example, learning to use guided meditation. If we had extra time, I'd, I'd love to read the step-by-step. But um, it, it is... it. it you know, she just goes through engaging children in meditation. Um, so if you don't know how to be your child's spiritual director, this helps you. You know, you would look at a picture or, you know, you would take a, um, a, a passage from scripture. You could um, study a painting from, you know, depicting that that's depicting that uh, part of scripture and then just different questions that you could ask them about the picture. She spells it all out for you. So you don't have to wonder what to do. And then you could take it from there and apply it to whatever is your own favorite piece of artwork or, you know, spiritual reading. And I believe uh, there are four different temperaments that she's going to address. And this is the first book. Right. And I think she intends to write one on each of the temperaments. Right. So, um, but I think her, her website is contemplative homeschool. Yes. Uh, so we might want to check that out. All right. So give us some other ideas here. Right. So, um, you know, let's let's just take the rosary, for example, that when you look at you look at all the different um, ways that people learn the, the temperaments that they have, um, like, there are different ways than that you could approach the rosary with children, because some children find it very difficult to make it through a rosary. Right. Um, one option is to just do one decade at a time. Um, another option is to take those children who like to um, do things and let them, you know, there are coloring books about the rosary, let them color the picture you could be saying the decade while they're coloring the picture 
Um, or you could just leave them to it while you're silently praying your own. Um, you could have them look at pictures. There are um, EWTN. You can even download that from the Internet where they have um, rosaries where they show pictures of the Holy Land where the mysteries oh, take the place. actual right. photos. And, right. Oh, yes. Um, one thing that I exper- experimented with my own children once because of how I like to pray it is rather than, you know, the Our Father, the Ten Hail Marys, I like to just do even just one Hail Mary very slowly and consider the mystery at a time. Um, what was interesting to me is that one of my kids was like, no, 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 I need to say the Ten. So I'm like, okay, well, that is how you do it. And, and that's mm-hmm. just fine. But it's just about because, you know, it's it's not a magical number when we're saying the rosaries. The point is to enter into the right, mystery. Right. And we got to so, remember the point is to to get into the mystery to have prayer. Exactly. Conversation with God. Right? So whatever it takes to have the, you know, your child or even yourself enter into it, I think is good to do. You know, um, lately when I was buying school supplies, I, I noticed there are adult coloring books out there now. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think there was even some uh, religious site was, was doing a contest with adult coloring. Um, and, and the point was to be praying as you colored. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's really getting taken off here. You yeah. know, it's becoming popular. <laughs> so. so it's not just your children. You can try it out on yourself as well. And of course, we know St. Teresa of Avila. She would always take a statue with her wherever she was traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was founding the new convents um, because statues uh, really helped her enter into prayer so beautifully. And, and I always liked campfires, mm-hmm. you know, to sit along the campfire and just think about the the element of fire and how it purifies, but it warms and it lightens. And of course, John of the Cross yes. goes into that a great deal. <laughs> yes, so. yes. <laughs> That's really wonderful. Once you've read John of the Cross, you can never look at a campfire in the same way. <laughs> right. All right. Well, one other thing that you had pointed out to me is about children unplugged. Right. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, okay, you got to tell everybody, what is this children unplugged? Right. Well, so far the discussion has been about things to do to set the stage, to nurture prayer life with various activities. But I also advocate very strongly a hands-off approach. Um, you know, unplugged from whatever it is even that you might have been using to help stimulate prayer before, whether it was pictures or, um, you know, music or, you know, seeing the rosary on TV. Again, they're all fine and good. They all have their place. But I also think you need to let kids spend a little time on their own as well. Um, I believe that humans are natural contemplatives and certainly children are too. Um, that, you know, have you ever seen a child just sit, how they can just stare at the clouds for the longest time and remember back to your own childhood, how spending time in nature, just sitting and not really, it looks like you're not doing anything, but how your mind would wander to the thoughts about the big things in life. And sometimes I know I would keep it to myself or sometimes I would say to my mom or dad, whoever was there. And I know my own kids will do that too, where suddenly they'll come up with these big life things because they've been staring at a, a river flowing by. I remember looking out the win- window during the winter and seeing the glistening snow mm-hmm. it, it sparkle. And I remember them saying, well, there's probably 10,000 angels on the pin yeah. head. You know, I'm like, well, that's a lot of angels on a pin head. But, you know, I'm seeing that snow sparkle. Right. And I'm like, that must be angels dancing out there because there's a lot of sparkle yes. happening. So, yes. uh, but it is wonderful how, um, you know, it, it, we we do need to take time to pull away from that. And I, I ask 
um, our listeners to even look at this yourself, you know, get unplugged. I encourage my daughter all the time. She's in college now, but she, you know, she used that cell phone a lot <laughs> both for social media, but also for looking things up to finding things. She's very connected, but you know, yes, we do need to pull away because we don't want to live in virtual reality. You know, we can learn a lot that way, but we, we need to live in this present moment right. and, and use our senses and braille the world. <laughs> yes. And you know what? Here's the thing, too. I think all moms do this to a certain extent, but I would warn homeschooling moms, too, to don't worry about making everything that teachable moment. You know, what if somebody had swept in uh, to you and, and explained to you just what was going on scientifically with the snow at that point? <laughs> you know what? Just leave it alone sometimes. Uh-huh. Just let them look at the clouds. Let them watch the ants crawl along. Again, hands off is what's going to lead to contemplation more than always stepping in. And I'm lecturing myself because there are too many times where I just needed to be quiet in life rather than jump in to teach a lesson. Mm. And I probably broke that contemplative moment. Oh, well, but but we're learning from you. And thank (laughs) you for that. You know, hands off and unplugged. (laughs) Well, I know one of the most perfect examples of a natural contemplative is St. Therese, the little flower. And I know she's very popular with all of our listening audience. And one of the things she said was, Jesus set before me the book of nature. And I pulled that from her famous book, Story of a Soul. But this is what she said. That This is where that quote comes from. She said, Jesus deigned to teach me this mystery. He set before me the book of nature. I understood how all the flowers he has created are beautiful, how the splendor of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not take away the perfume of the little violet or the delightful simplicity of the daisy. I understood that if all flowers wanted to be roses... Nature would lose her springtime beauty, and the fields would no longer be decked out with wild little flowers. And so it is in the world of souls, Jesus' garden. He willed to create great souls comparable to lilies and roses, but he has created smaller ones, and these must be content to be daisies or violets, destined to give joy to God's glances when he looks down at his feet. Perfection consists in doing his will and being what he wills us to be. And how beautiful. And that is what came from just sitting quietly and watching nature. And I'm so glad that her family didn't pull her away from that to go, you know, do something other than just sit there staring at the fields because this is the result. And I know that you had... Uh, zeroed in a, on a couple other examples from her right. that you want to share with us. Here's a good one. Never will I forget the impression the sea made upon me. I couldn't take my eyes off it. Since its majesty, the roaring of the waves, everything spoke to my soul of God's grandeur and power. Yes. <laughs> I remember taking my kids to see the Niagara Falls mm-hmm. and the immensity and the power, just the sound and the feeling of the mist. And I mean, it was unforgettable. And, you know, we we had a family discussion about the power of God. Right. And that was such a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another one. With enraptured gaze, we beheld the white moon rising quietly behind the tall trees, the silvery rays it was casting upon sleeping nature, the bright stars twinkling in the deep skies, the light breath of the evening breeze making the snowy clouds float easily along. All this raised our souls to heaven. Yes. 
And see, again, I want to point out, too, the importance of sharing this with children, because when they read this, and, you know, they'll, I'm sure they've experienced this themselves, even quiet children who don't share these things with you necessarily, or even the children who do. And then when they read something like this, then they'll see, I'm not the only one. And look, here's somebody who, who's connected this to all the bigger picture in life. And it's just so beautiful. Well, and I know you were talking about, um, you were taking a walk with your kids just recently on a trail yesterday, right, I think. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, this quote from Therese um, mimics that in a sense. She says, I recall especially the Sunday walks mm-hmm. when Mama used to accompany us. I still feel the profound and poetic impressions which were born in my soul at the sight of fields enameled with cornflowers and all types of wild flowers. Already I was in love with the wide open spaces. Space in the gigantic fir trees, the branches sweeping down to the ground, left in my heart an impression similar to the one I experience still today at the sight of nature. Yes, I, say, I, I will admit it's one of my things that I perhaps foist upon the family. I think most of them enjoy being out of doors, too. But that's one of those things mom's going to want to do on Sundays and Mother's Day is just to be out there and, you know, getting out for a family walk pointing out and here's where you know you can help it along sometimes smell the air guys do you smell the you know fall spring whatever it is and and just let them you know teach them to embrace it all in the same way that saint therese shares that she did experiencing nature helps you see um more of god i think because he's the designer he's the author of it all so part of him uh echoes through through nature in every way Mm mm-hmm so um, you had one about stars, yes, the famous you know, one about stars. This is one of the uh, first ones that I had ever heard about her, Therese, and nature. Um, I was happy to see Papa coming to fetch us. When we were on the way home, I would gaze upon the stars, which were twinkling ever so peacefully in the skies, and the sight carried me away. There was especially one cluster of golden pearls, which attracted my attention and gave mm-hmm. me great joy because they were in the form of a T. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> I pointed them out to Papa and told him my name was written in heaven. <laughs> then desiring to look, look no longer at this dull earth, I asked him to guide my steps and not looking where I placed my feet. I threw back my head, giving myself over completely to the contemplation of the star studded firmament. Mm. And how beautiful, because you know what? She was doing this to her earthly father but you know it's very it's symbolic of that 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 trust that you can just close your eyes fling back and your father's going to lead you where you need to go and i i remember one story about her and a girlfriend they they just closed their eyes and started walking along (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) like talk about trust (laughs) but uh, i i love teresa's language how she um expressed herself it it is so beautiful and you know it inspires us to get out out there and grab hold of nature to help us, you know, um, because of what she experienced as a child, the importance of providing opportunity for lying in the sun or gazing at the clouds, plunking stones into a stream, you know, skipping the rocks. You know, those are, are awesome opportunities where some of these big thoughts will come into your head and about life and this deep communion with other people and with God happening during these moments. Right. So like you said, not everything ha- um, has to be a teachable moment, at least right. from our standpoint. Right. right? <laughs> That's right. It's, it's something happening naturally. Um, you know, it's funny because we learn about that science, how much has advanced through experimentation that, you know, happened off the clock. Um, Isaac Newton, he was... Um, 
at Cambridge University when the plague struck, and so they had to close the university. This is 1665. He was sent home to the family farm. And for a year, that was where he conducted just his own experiments. He wasn't working for anybody. It was just, it was this downtime. And he, even 50 years after that time, he would say that that was the most productive year of his life. Mm -hmm. And again, it happened off the clock. It happened just being able to putter about the family farm and do his, I mean, obviously brilliant Newton thinking. (laughs) um, That's a great example. (laughs) Yes. it, It was a great gift for him. All right. Well, um, we are getting to the end of our hour. Um, did you have any, any final thoughts here before we close? Um, you know, just the idea that we're, we're planting seeds. Um, sometimes we yield an immediate harvest, but we shouldn't become discouraged about it if we don't. Um, I think parents, mothers in particular, will do this. Oh, my gosh, my children aren't contemplatives. They're just, not getting it. Yes, they're not getting <laughs> it. But who knows, you know. I've admitted to my mother that I turned 40 before I was able to see things, you know, that she had done in life. And so you never know when they will, when you will, they will reap the benefits of what you've given to them at this young age. Um, we're providing tools for the future. You know, in the same way that our kids are reluctant to eat what's healthy for them or right. get a proper amount of sleep, play fair with others. We live in hope that that lesson will sink in later. Right. Um, obviously, since prayer life is more eternal than broccoli. I suppose we take it seriously and maybe more personally when they don't embrace it right away. But we should try to worry less and have a little more faith that God is in charge. Indeed he is. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, kids, they'll, they'll grow into adults when, you know, when as they grow into adults, they know that eating better and getting enough rest makes them feel good. Well, these lessons will come to them too. Right. Um, you know, whether the message about prayer sticks right away or not is beyond our influence. What we're doing here is just laying the foundation. So give yourselves a little break about that, too, when you're, you know, writing your plans and creating recipes or whatever it is you choose to do. Well, thank you. You've really given us a lot of food for thought and mentioned a lot of resources that that we can check out. So I'm just so grateful that you came on the program to share with us how to introduce contemplative prayer to our children. And um, I'm looking forward to the next time you come and have another conversation. We've had many really good ones. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, next week, Mark will return. Um, and meanwhile, you can check out carmeliteconversations.wordpress.com to see information about the pilgrimage he's leading to Canada. It's a great opportunity. And connect with us on Facebook. We always love hearing from you. So with that, um, we'd like to close with a parent's prayer. It's um, anonymous p- parent's prayer. Let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving God, you are the giver of all gifts, the source of all of our blessings. We thank you and we praise you for your infinite love. Thank you for the gift of our children. May our children come to know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. May your Holy Spirit help them to grow in faith, hope, and love so that they may know peace, truth, and goodness. May they learn to love you and pray with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. May their ears hear your voice. May their eyes see your presence in all things. May their lips proclaim your word. May their hearts be your dwelling place. 
May their hands do works of charity, and may their feet walk in the way of Jesus Christ, your Son, and our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for being with us on Carmelite Conversations. We hope to be with you back next week. Meanwhile, God bless you.